0: Tonight I want to focus on these words from Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 to 17 and this idea for us of being imitators of God. We reflected quite a lot this morning on how are we finding this period so I don't want to kind of open all that back up again. But I don't know about you but another feeling I have during this season is I'm just tired. I'm tired of looking at screens. I'm tired of every day feeling the same. I'm tired of things just going on and on and on. And I miss the things that I loved. I miss the things that we could do before lockdown. So I wonder, as we reflect this evening and ask this question, what can we do during this extended period of isolation and time away from our church family? What is it that we can focus on this morning? We looked at how important love is and how love flows from a pure heart, a good conscience and a sincere faith. And this morning, uh, this evening, but it is actually morning because it's currently Saturday morning, um, we're going to look from Ephesians chapter 5 at the idea of imitating your father. And that's what I want to focus for us tonight. Despite the fact that we cannot meet together, we know that the truth of God's word stands and we know that its application is central to to our lives and I was thinking of this picture but we know that children are like their parents children copy the mannerisms of their parents they copy the language of their parents and kids often develop similar uh, attributes and habits in future life that their parents have and I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago but just now parents are even bigger influences on their children really than ever before because of the amount of intense time that is spent with our kids. I wonder, have you ever sat with a child in the front seat of your car and they've tried to drive along like their parents have? Or have you ever tried to cut the grass and your child has walked behind you pretending to cut grass behind you? Children copy parents from a young age and often the way that they learn best is by watching and imitating. But a child also learns to draw by tracing. The more carefully the child traces, the better the copy of the original. And actually, taking that thought of children, taking that thought of tracing, for us as Christians, the pattern of Christian living is Jesus himself. The one who we are tracing the life of, the one who we are imitating. And very simply, if we are children of God, then we ought to imitate the Father And there are three ways in which we should walk during this time, during every time. There are three ways that we should walk. We should walk in love, verses 1 and 2. We should walk in light, verses 3 to 14. And we should walk and constantly be examining, in verses 15 to 17. Just like to read those first two verses. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to and sacrifice to God. The last couple of verses of chapter four give a context here that say this: Let all bitterness and wrath and anger uh, and and clamor and slander put from you along with malice be kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you these are the two walks that are set before us here in these two verses in the first two verses of chapter 5 there is the walk that is bitter there is the walk that is angry there is the walk that is full of slander and malice and then there is the walk that imitates the Father. There is the walk that is kind, that is tender hearted, and is forgiving. These are our two roads. These are our two options for how we spend our lives. And you know, it's easier to be bitter than kind. It's easier to be angry than forgiving. It is easier to be full of slander and malice than to be tender hearted. That is why the walk of love is the walk of the narrow path. So why should we follow the narrow path? Well, Paul answers us in here. Choose to walk in love because you are God's child. Having been born again through faith in Christ Jesus, we are, as Peter puts it in 2 Peter 1.4, partakers of the divine nature. We are a transformed people living a transformed life through the transforming God because we partake in christ's nature and his nature is one that is love then it is logical then for his children for his imitators for those that are tracing his life to walk in love as he walked and that is what paul is encouraging us to do here this life of this walk of love isn't something that is foreign to the christian life for we have received a new nature this expression of love. The old nature was selfish. It was full of bitterness and anger. But now we are born into a loving relationship through a relationship with God. And the right response for us is to show love in the way that we live. Secondly, choose to walk in love because you were purchased with a great price. John 15, 13 greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends Jesus paid the ultimate price and our love for God is a response to his love for us Paul here is comparing Christ's sacrifice on the cross to the Old Testament sweet savour sacrifices that were presented at the altar the idea behind these sweet save offering simply is that the sacrifices were pleasing to God that doesn't suggest that God is pleased with sin but it demanded a price be paid but rather it indicates that the death of Christ has paid the ultimate price that saves us that it satisfies the holy law of God and it is therefore acceptable and pleasing to the father And here we see three types of sweet savour offerings in the Old Testament. Really quickly, but I think this is quite helpful for us to understand. The burnt offering shows us the complete devotion of Christ to God. That Christ was willing to go to the point of death because of his devotion to the Father. The meal offering, his perfection of character because he was perfect. And the peace offering, his making of peace between God and man, was made possible through Christ Jesus alone. These pictures help us to understand the magnitude of Christ's sacrifice. There is obviously two other types of sacrifice, the sin offering, the guilt offering. But because they were eh, talking of Christ taking the place of the sinner, we don't consider them sweet savour offering. But these pictures help us understand the magnitude of what Christ Jesus has done for us. And if we are children of the beloved, if we are imitators of the beloved, then love is the fundamental foundation of the Christian life. If we walk in love, we will not disobey God because the one who loves another fulfills the law. Romans 13, Paul tells us. We choose to walk in love because we are beloved children and we are bought with a price. Secondly, walk in light. Light is a fantastic image that we frequently use to teach our children about God because it's visual and it's easy for us to comprehend that, that light eradicates darkness. But God is light. Light a fantastic simple image light is greater than darkness full stop darkness can never be greater than light light can expel darkness but darkness can't expel light god is light and we are imitators of the father therefore we should walk in light and actually have nothing whatsoever to do with the darkness because that is what we have been brought out from why then should we walk in light Because we are saints. Because we are set apart. Brothers and sisters, we do not belong to the nature of this world. We do not belong to the darkness that is around us. But we have been called out of the darkness into his marvelous light. It is beneath a saint to indulge in sin that belongs to the world of darkness. And Paul goes on in here to list some of those sins. You'll notice in in this section here in verses 3 to 14, sexual sin is what he picks up on most. And sexual sin is probably some of the least talked about from our pulpits. But it is right. Sexual sin is, is a sin that invades the houses of many Christians and it has brought grief to so many churches. Pornography is one of the greatest challenges that the church faces today the number of boys and men girls and women who face such temptation and sin is huge and it is fueled by an uncontrolled appetite sexual sin comes from a desire to settle an appetite by taking what does not belong to you and a national lockdown that forces you to stay in your house 24 7 will not help those temptations i'm using this as as the example because it's the example that comes out of this passage here and if that is you if that is where you find yourself this evening then please speak to somebody speak to somebody you trust and seek wise counsel if these are the temptations you face because once and for all you want to turn your back on darkness, You want to live in the light that Christ has called you to. And when we live in habitual sin like that, we cannot do that. Sexual sin distorts what God has made and what God has made holy. It distorts our view of the fellow image bearers of God around us. It ruins relationships, it ruins marriages, and it ruins the way that we are meant to view our fellow image bearers of God so we are saints we are called to certain behavior and we are told that there are certain behaviors that are not compatible with being a saint and sexual sin is the sin that he pulls out and addresses here and on top of that we must walk in light because we are light this section is the main thrust of this passage here in the latter half of in the latter half of 1 corinthians 6 we see a parallel passage here where uh, Paul contrasts the, uh, the children of God and the children of disobedience. Children, uh, Paul doesn't say you were in darkness, but Paul says you were darkness. What does communion have to do with light and darkness? What communion does light have to do with dark? Nothing. They have nothing to do with each other. They cannot be a part of each other. It is impossible to be in light and in darkness at the same time. So you are either light or you are either darkness. And it is that light in us that produces goodness, that produces the fruit of the Spirit as He is at work amongst us. And you know, goodness means love in action. Righteousness means rightness before God and rightness in our actions before men. And both of these qualities are based on truth which our conformity to the word and the will of God will bring. Jesus said much about light and darkness because it is an illustration that we can understand and wrap our heads around. But for us to walk as children of the light means to live before the eyes of God, not hiding anything. It is relatively easy for us to hide things from other people, especially during this period of time. They cannot see our hearts. Others cannot see our minds. But in Hebrews 4 we read, No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eye of him to whom we must give account. God knows and God sees all things. There is no dark hiding place from him. We read that account in Genesis after Adam and Eve have sinned and they try to hide from God. There is no hiding from God. You think of an image of the baggage scanner at an airport. We happily surrender ourselves, we let our bags be inspected and we're happy to do it because we have nothing to hide and it keeps us safe. I'm not really that afraid of going through the uh, scanner thing, although I'm sure I often get picked on because they always scan my bag for drugs and things. But anyway, I have nothing to hide. and. Charles Spurgeon wrote this. When he was asked by an author, can I write your life story? He replied this. You may write my life in the skies. I have nothing to hide. They are big words. I wonder if we think of this baggage scanner as a portrayal or an image, an illustration of our lives. Are we happy to be there? Are we happy for all that we are to be exposed before man? Are we happy to stand before God when all will be exposed? Or if tomorrow your life was to be exposed to all mankind, could you declare that you are walking as a child of the light and that you have nothing to hide? That scares me. I don't have that boldness of Charles Spurgeon to be able to declare that in my life. But that is what we must strive for. I have nothing to hide. the vast majority of us are spending more time in our houses now than we have possibly ever done are we living as though we are light in the way we conduct ourselves in our homes because it's not just church it's not just work it's not just in public that God sees us but it is when we are alone as well just because everything else is on hold doesn't mean that God is on hold He still cares about who you are. He still cares about your attitudes and your actions. He cares about it as much in isolation as he does at any other time. If anything, he cares about it more because what we do in secret and what we do when we are hidden is so important. So, are you living as a saint? Are you living as one who is set apart? Are you living as light? And are you marked by the fact you turn your back on darkness? And lastly, verses 15 to 17. Examine your walk. It reads, look carefully then at how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand that, uh, what the will of the Lord is. Verse 15 carries this idea of precision and accuracy. See that you walk carefully with exactness, with preciseness, with a purpose. It's the opposite of walking carelessly, but it has proper guidance and thought. We cannot leave our Christian lives to chance but we must make wise decisions and seek the will of God in everything that we do. And verse 14 relates to this. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Don't walk in your sleep. Wake up. Open your eyes. Make the most of today. As Christians, we can't walk through our lives as sleepwalkers, never really making the most of the opportunities, being lackadaisical, not really caring. That is not who we are called to be. But we are called to be people that have lives with a purpose. That know what we are doing and know why we are doing it. Is it wise? Our first question to examine our walk. We live in an age now and especially in this time where technology is a huge part of our life. I don't know about you, but I'm looking at screens far more than I ever have done before. And without it, we wouldn't be able to communicate uh, with those outside of our own homes. We wouldn't be able to catch up with family. We wouldn't be able to tune into church. So it is a fantastic thing. But of course, with that comes dangers. Because just now, it's so easy for us to become consumed by technology. What are we filling our heads with? Is it why? It's salvation every believer has been made wise. Paul writes that to Timothy. You have the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation. In the book, in the word of God, you have everything that you need for all wisdom. Do you want to be wise? Do you want to know wisdom? Then know the words. We look through the lens of Philippians 4.8 as our basis what should we focus on what should we spend our time on is it wise well here's the matrix we put it through whatever is true whatever is honorable honorable, whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely and whatever is commendable if there is any excellence if there is anything worthy of praise think about these things we do what we think about Think about the things that are right. How are we in this time spending our time? How are we examining our walk? The days are evil, verse 16. If we do not guard our hearts and our minds, we will be swept away by the things of this world. And is this the best use of my time? It is common for us not to finish what we start I asked permission to use this illustration, but my darling wife, Victoria, ordered a paint-by-numbers kit. I wonder if I can see it. I can. Give me a sec. Beautiful. A lovely paint-by-numbers kit. And it promises hours of fun. It promises this wonderful scene. And what have we got? Three weeks later, a quarter finished piece. (laughs) (laughs) will it ever get finished? who knows but whether it's art whether it's business whether it's personal whether it's spiritual nobody can turn a dream into reality without making the most of their time without taking an opportunity and focusing upon it when we walk obediently in the narrow way of the gospel we walk carefully in wisdom making the most of our time We take full advantage of every opportunity to serve God using our time for His glory. Let us not be people that are putting a quarter effort into finishing something, but let us put all our effort into a service of God. One of the great 16th century reformers, Philip Mekithon, took a record every single day of every wasted moment And he took that list to God in confession every single day. It's no wonder that God used the man in such incredible and mighty ways. I wonder if each of us were to record the moments of wasted time in our day, how long would that list be? There are so many biblical texts that warn us about saying, don't worry, I have time, I'll do it later. No one knows the time, no one knows the hour when the Saviour will return. Likewise, no one knows when it will become our time. Today is the day, now is the time to live a life of service of the Lord. We must work the works of him who sent me whilst it is day. Night is coming when no one can work, John 9, 4. Now is the time. Now is the time to get ourselves right with God. Now is the time to examine our walk. And now is the time for us to spend all of it with God. Christ is coming. There is no greater time than now. Now is the time for us to get ourselves right with God. Now is the time for us to sing his praises. Now is the time for us to come before him on our knees in prayer, crying out to him. Now is the time for us to be dedicated and committed in our reading of the warrants. Walk in love because he has bought you with a great price. Walk in light because he has made you light. And examine your walk because your life depends on it. That's our thoughts for this evening. So we bow our heads and pray as we close. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for your transforming power. We thank you for the ways you are at work in each of our lives. And Lord, in this coming week, would you drive us to examine our walk with you? Would we be people who are constantly reassessing where we are, constantly recommitting ourselves to you, constantly admitting our downfalls and our weaknesses and asking, Lord, would you fill me up? Lord, would you take control of everything that I am? Because you are so, so good. Lord, in this coming week, with everything that will happen in this pandemic, Lord, we ask that your hand would be over it all. We pray for those that are that are dealing with it on the front lines, that are working through this. We pray for those who are affected by it. We pray for those who are infected by it. And we pray, Lord, for a peace and a comfort. And we ask that you would use this time to speak to the heart of our nation. We ask that in this time and in this difficulty, your gospel would be preached by your faithful people and we would see genuine and true revival. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week and God bless folks. Thank you.